with SBS Radio. Listeners are warned, content in this podcast is sometimes confronting and distressing. Hello, my name is Jasmine Seymour. I'm a Darug woman belonging to the Burubarangal people of the Sydney Basin area. I'm a descendant of Yarramundi through Maria Locke and um, I am a primary school teacher, also illustrator and language activist. Well, the modern-day city of Sydney, it was actually the birthplace of contemporary Australia and the first battleground in the Australian wars. How does this make you feel, Jasmine? How does it make me feel? I feel um, this is, you know, a, a lived experience because this happened to my ancestors, my relatives, and the effects of it is still being felt today because Darug people are still trying to... Um, be recognised as the people of place. And tell us about your ancestors and the atrocities, I guess, that they experienced in their time. Yeah, so um, as I said, I'm a descendant of Yarramundi and Maria Locke, and Yarramundi famously met Governor Philip on the banks of the Jarabah, not far from where my family still live today. Um, Maria Locke, of course, was one of the first girls put into the Native Institute um, where she was taught how not to be Aboriginal. Um, You know, uh, I think about my family and their story out along the Jarabin. So I am from the Morley family who were put at Sackville um, Reserve. So some of those family members were there. And, and what that means for us out on the Hawkesbury, because there's still a big silence about what happened out there. It's not ever spoken about. You know, the Hawkesbury really celebrates its colonial identity, but we don't ever hear the stories of the people who um, were there or was st- who are still there. And so my family um, belong in that category and so many of the families out in the Hawkesbury have become very rich off the land. Those colonial families have had that generational wealth um, passed down. Who married the Aboriginal people, they didn't receive the same kind of status. And so many of our families have not benefited, benefited from the sale of land like others have. And how does that make you feel? I think it has contributed to the status of Darug people you know, we're still, like I said, trying to find acceptance um, in wider society is still being here. Um, you know, there's still an erasement of us that happens in modern day Sydney. Um, it, it's pretty devastating and challenging. And um, you think about all of our families and all the ties to country and all of the stories, and we have little pieces of that story and collectively they are the story of Sydney. Um, it, it is deeply sad, and but yet at the same time, this documentary also helps shed light on that, so it's wonderful to be a part of it. And how important do you think documentaries are like this in Australia? Uh, oh, so important because this is truth-telling. Um, this is real truth-telling. You know, I I sometimes think about the Sydney Basin area and we almost need our own statement from the heart 
to reconcile with what has happened to us and our continued erasure. Um, and so these documentaries are immensely important to really tell the truth about what happened because in the Hawkesbury, the women and the children were the biggest commodities, you know, um, when you have so many men who come into a colony and no women, um, they're going to take those women pretty quickly and they're going to abuse the power relationships within those relationships and we know the women were taken and we know the children were taken and they were both used as slaves to build the colony, to build the Hawkesbury. And a little earlier you mentioned Sackville Reserve. Can you tell us about the history of that particular place in which you do feature in the documentary uh, episode? Yeah, the Sackville Reserve, is a, I feel, is a very sad place. Um, it is a tiny dog's leg piece of land that is in the middle of nowhere out on the Hawkesbury River and you look you're surrounded by huge farming areas that um, are still being developed today and we know that at the Sackville Reserve they sort of rounded up all the stragglers the people that were left all the people who didn't who weren't sort of married into convict families who weren't taken already and they were placed there and those people were, um, you know, they had to pay their board. They had to hunt and provide the colony with food for their own, um, you know, board on that place. Um, and you, and when you go there, it is wet and dark and it's one side is a sheer cliff and the other is river. It's not a place where anyone thrives. And by all accounts, the very last um, Aboriginal person who lived there was uh, continuously um, visited by um, people who wanted to see, you know, the last Aboriginal at the Sackville Reserve. And so for me it is really a, a very disturbing place. Um, eventually it just dissipated because uh, the people there either married into families or just left. And so that's why it sort of disappeared and yet it remains down there as this space where we know many of our family members were. I think it is, um, you know, it's it's sort of marked by this obelisk, the very first monument to the Aboriginal people of place. It says, you know, it's for the Aborigines who were here, and that erases us again. And by all accounts, when that was put there, it was a group of um, historians and and people from the Hawkesbury and there were no Aboriginal people there at that ceremony when it was erected. And so for me it is um, deeply sad because it's another instance of where we are being erased from history because, of course, many of us are still there. And talking about history, you're a teacher. What is it that you teach the young ones in schools today, Jasmine? So I'm teaching a full Darug language program at my primary school from preschool to year six. And we are trying to wake up Darug language. And as I said, you know, Maria, my ancestor, she was famously taught um, English in the first school there. And my school is not far from where that school was. So it is um, incredibly profound for me to be teaching Darug language on that land 
to the Indigenous kids at my school and to everyone else. It is it is an incredible feeling and one that I just feel so privileged to be part of. And what are some of the responses that you get from the young ones? What interaction do you get when you are teaching them this history? They're so, so engaged with it and they love learning the language of place. For the Indigenous kids there, because we have kids from all over um, Australia who live in Western Sydney, Aboriginal kids, um, you know, for them they've never had any experience of learning language and so they know, they can see how it connects you to culture. They can see how beneficial it is for them to understand their own, to understand Australian languages, which is what all Indigenous languages are in Australia. You know, they belong to country, to place. And so it's, it's very important. And other kids just love learning about place and love hearing their history and love saying the words that have been on country for thousands and thousands of years. It is very, very special to see them thriving with it and wanting to be really good at it. It really promotes deep learning. A little bit earlier we were talking about the Sackville Reserve and the memorial that's been erected there many, many years ago. Would you like to see modern-day memorials erected uh, to honour the past and your people? Mm, it's a good, good question because sometimes I see the memorials of the colonists in uh, in Sydney and I want to throw an egg at them um, and yet to have some sort of statement that says that speaks about our past is really important. I really love the new fish hook um, sculpture that was put on Sydney Harbour and I think we are beginning to understand what we want to see around the place. You know, we don't want to see these imposing figures, these men idolised we want to see these real statements of belonging and connection to place. And so, yeah, I think we need to rethink what our monuments are looking like. And moving on into the future, how do you think we can best heal now and move forward together as a nation? I really do think it is through language education. I think it really allows us to understand where we where we've come from and where we're going you know australia is a very monolingual society and we have we haven't really been exposed to any other languages than english really you know we we say we're multilingual but um in reality in schools we're not and so i really hope to see um aboriginal languages education explode across australia it, it is such a wonderful thing to be a part of and, um, you know, I think it has the potential to create a whole economic industry for Aboriginal people to thrive in with the creation of really beautiful literature around our languages. I do write um, children's picture books about my language and they were really born out of there being nothing and that desperation to see some sort of language for kids in our area that spoke about us and so it is a it is a priority of mine to keep making those sort of resources and books that show the deep beauty of um, Darug country and place and time and people. And what was it like for you personally to feature in episode one of this documentary series? It was pretty uh, intimidating and it's scary because, as I said, you know, um, the way that people speak
speak about us sometimes is one of still erasure, you know. And so to to be in that space and stating that we are here is is um is incredible and really grateful to be part of it because as I said it is truth telling. It is truth telling of the story of the Hawkesbury people, the Jaraban people, the Darug people who lived there and were affected so badly by the policies of colonization. And what is it that you'd like all Australians to better understand about what happened to the atrocities of your people on country? I think, you know, um, I think sometimes history has um, portrayed us as not fighting back, as as it happening to us, as um, it's sort of this takeover that happened without any sort of resistance. But we know from what happened on the Jaraban that there was a really massive, um, you know, pushback and that the Aboriginal people who lived there actually were successful in keeping people out of there for a really long time. You know, they were experts at guerrilla warfare, that sort of style of fighting. And um, when you see sort of the atrocities that have happened out there, you see these tiny little spot um, sections of where people were sort of massacred and destroyed. Um, and so you're not seeing a huge group of people. You're seeing these um, micro ones happening constantly. And this erasure of people is... Um, is really disturbing, you know. We have our constable out in the Hawkesbury whose um, name was Andrew Thompson and he's widely celebrated as being the founder of the Hawkesbury and yet he was responsible for some of those atrocities. He was the person who signed off on them. And so telling the truth about that history is extremely important because for us he's not a hero, you know, he's part of, of why why this happened to us. For any listeners who may have concerns, you can reach out to Lifeline on 131114. Want to hear more stories like this? Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.